Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to CM Punk is at it again here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I'm your host of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungry, Tyler Forrest. With me, as always, is my co-host, Fred Moreland. Fred, we are going to be taking AEW to Chicago this weekend, the home of CM Punk, who probably won't be there. Why is this guy such an idiot? I wouldn't say an idiot. I, I There's other things at play there than uh, idiocy. Um, he's actually pretty smart, and I think that might be part of the problem. Here, here's the question. thing. You, you can be as smart as you want. I have an IQ of 150. I'm still an idiot. <laughs> it, 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 idiot. Being an idiot has nothing to do with intelligence. I had a question for you, actually, or more an observation, but maybe I missed this. Maybe, And I, I don't think it was an editing job or anything because they, you know, historically they've not been able to edit that quickly. Uh, but I don't recall the crowd in Chicago for Dynamite where CM Punk wasn't chanting for CM Punk at any point in time. Just an yeah. observation. That's a that's a really good observation. I actually just finished Dynamite minutes before recording on Friday. And now, I wasn't looking for it, but after the fact, it was kind of like, I don't think that happened. Even the CM Punk fans are over CM Punk. We've won. Fred, we've won. <laughs> War, but I think this is kind of a in the end, no one really wins scenario. Um, the dumbest war of attrition ever. Um, okay, Fred, are you ready to get all the information out of here? All right, I think I assume we're going to start with trying to summarize all the different little tidbits that have come out this week. Yeah, uh, you, as always, we've been oh, following ahead. this, and you obviously dug through the 57 thousand word wrestling observer newsletter to try and find all the details of this i will i will turn the floor over to you sir all right this is an attempt to encapsulate every report that has come out this is of course nothing we've heard because nobody talks to me and frankly that's all right with me i just want to go to sleep um but these are all the different reports people have got that they are passing on. So whether it be Nick Hausman, Sean Ross Sapp, Dave Meltzer, even Sports Illustrated, um, you know, it's uh, this is all the information we have available to us via the public. Uh, and it's not like I have any secret information. Uh, Sports Illustrated confirmed that both Jack Perry and CM Punk are suspended indefinitely. 
Uh, Sean Ross Sapp reported two days ago, uh, I guess now three as of when I'm writing it, that as of his report at that time, I could have wrote that better, a little Meltzer-esque uh, grammar there on my part, uh, Punk was not informed he was suspended. Nick Hausman followed that up by saying that Punk was notified of a suspension via his lawyer. And I think you may see why it was a lawyer communication in a little bit, assuming some of this is correct. Um, I just saw that um, a f- detail I saw for the first time. Of course, all of this is uh, predicated upon the issue where CM Punk told Jack Perry to not do the glass angle at Collision a few weeks ago um, and then leaked that information. Well, they have leaked that information to the press. Uh, but Melter said that that glass angle was approved by AEW and that they had already rented a car for the spot before CM Punk shut it down. Um, so I can imagine if you're Jack Perry that, uh, you know, that could cause even more, you know, frustration than just like showing up the arena, nothing being set up, etc. Um, Brian, Brian Alvarez said that CM Punk went up to Jack Perry while he was having his cuts worked on after his match, told Perry, you know, I could beat your ass, right? That's a quote of per Alvarez. And then either shoved or pie face Perry and then locked on a guillotine. Uh, Dave Meltzer had a version in the newsletter this morning, which he said was from a neutral non-wrestler source. Uh, this person says that Punk went aggressively nose to nose with Perry, shoved him, Perry got in his face, and then Punk sucker punched him and went for a choke. It was immediately broken up. Tony Khan was there and yelling at Punk to let him go. Once they were separated, Punk lunged at Khan, but multiple people got in his way. Punk yelled, I quit at him. Monitors were knocked over during this. Again, this is all per the report that Dave Meltzer got uh, that was in this morning's uh, Observer that I haven't seen anywhere else yet. Uh, Meltzer said another person told him that many wrestlers thought both Perry and Punk were at fault, and they were motivated to put on great matches by the incident. Uh, Meltzer also reported, uh, this is just kind of a side note that I thought was interesting. Uh, Another story is that before the show started, Punk insisted that Justin Roberts not announce his match. Whether this was Roberts being on CM Punk's Christopher Daniels list, or Punk pushed for the idea that the collision ring announcer, Dasha Gonzalez, should do collision-based matches, and she did announce House of Black against the Acclaim later on, is not known. Uh, only CM Punk's camp is saying that he was not kicked out of the building. Uh, everyone else is basically saying that, yes, he was kicked out. Um, Alvarez said that the CM Punk Jack Perry incident resulted in AEW personnel checking with the Young Bucks and FTR if they could go on first, but they weren't ready. And then the six-man tag said they were able to move up if ready. And it's possible that the only person who said that they could move up was Kenny Omega. Uh, there's some dispute over this. It sounds like that guys were being not being told why they were asked if they could do the, sh- the match first or move their match up, I should say, uh, but found out later because, you know, they didn't want them to know that it was CM Punk doing CM Punk things. Apparently, Chris Jericho was also asked and was like, I got to do the Fozzie entrance that takes time to set up. Uh, Fightful uh, reported that footage footage exists of the incident due to security cameras being all over Wembley. So, um I would be astonished if that is true, that we do not get footage leaked at some point. But hey, we'll see. 
Um, Brian Alvarez also said that, um, oh, I already covered that part. Sorry. Uh, okay. Going on to the second incident, uh, which may or may not have been an actual incident. Uh, Miro was there and, um, CM Punk, uh, apparently there was a report that he and uh, Miro exchanged some words with, uh, CM Punk telling him, asking if he wanted to fight, if they needed to take it outside. The dispute is, is how serious is this? Uh, Brian Alvarez is kind of on an island here. He's saying that this was a very serious discussion. Oh, we got a run in by uh, 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 Hungy Cat Jr. here for the first time on the show. Um, oh, that's great. Uh, this is the first time you've, you've called her Hungy Cat Jr. I love it. Yeah. Um, but okay, going back to the Punk Mirror thing, uh, Alvarez is reporting that it was a serious interaction, but Sean Ross Sapp reports that they were just joking around. So, you know, I don't know what to make of all that. Uh, Brian Alvarez reported that Samoa Joe was furious about the situation. And he basically, it sounds like from all the different reports, that he had to calm down CM Punk so they could do their match. And uh, apparently that earned Samoa Joe a bit of respect backstage. Um, Yeah. Uh, And yeah, so I, I mean, I think we've kind of upgraded from, it's been pretty consistently reported that Tony Khan and Punk had a, quotes here contentious interaction um i also you know it's a cure it's it's up in the air about just how contentious that was and if it was cm punk lunging at his boss and threatening to uh threatening him or you know acting physically aggressive towards him i guess i should say um but we'll see uh there's also reports that birdie king was upset about the incident uh both wade keller and sean ross Sapp have said that uh Brody King has been part of the uh, House of Black, of course, who have been on Collision since launch. Um, but I don't know if he's really a CM Punk guy or what. I, you know, that kind of, I don't care at this point. Uh, but there is a report that he punched the wall in frustration and may have broke his hand. But he is saying that he broke his hand during the match they had on the pay-per-view. So there's that. Um and then one last bit of drama, I guess. Uh, there is photographs of CM Punk taking the tube with a fan taking the opportunity to get a Mark picture. Uh, and apparently Punk got lost on his way to Wembley. Uh, so there was a report that, you know, how AEW left him high and dry with um, transportation in London. But someone who I've never heard of before named Lavi Margolin tweeted out screenshots of what appear to be an internal website with information for AW talent on how to get to and from the arena. That's all I have on this incredibly stupid situation. Um, Tyler, what a world we live in. I have, I, I, I want to preface this by, I have never met CM Punk. I don't know if he is a good human or not. I am neutral. But I will say, based on his actions ever since he's come to the company, God, I hate this man so much. He has he is ruined this stupid hobby and made things so much more complicated and so much more diluted. And quite frankly, the booking has gone downhill ever since he joined the company. I just want him gone. And it, it really sucks because... I will never forget that moment two years ago when he came back to the company. He was the epitome of what this company is. A true American wrestling alternative mainstream that was not run by Vince McMahon. It was run by people who love professional 
wrestling. And he said that in his promo. But ever since he came back, once that little honeymoon is over, it just went downhill quickly. And it's just made things... One, AW is always going to have those, oh, this is finally a real wrestling company moments where it's not all kumbaya and there are people upset backstage and all this and that. But it feels like nearly everything with the backstage drama involves CM Punk. And it's it's just time. Like, I don't care if you lose money from this. You This could be the death nail in your coffin. If you continue to let CM Punk do everything he's doing and run rampant backstage, it's it's time. And it's so incredibly frustrating to have all this drama when you literally, you couldn't even get through the biggest show in arguably wrestling, American wrestling history. Wrestling history. Like, 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium. And you can't get through that as CM Punk without being a dramatic baby. No. It's time to go. It's time to get rid of him. And I'm sick and tired of all of his bullshit ruining this company that at one point we loved so much, we decided to start a podcast talking about it. Now we have to spend at least 10, 15 minutes talking about the latest bullshit CM Punk did every single week. It's sickening. Let's get back to what made this company great. Wrestling. Long-term storytelling and booking. We're not getting that right now. And the beginning of all of this was CM Punk joining the company. It was great. You got to have CM Punk hold your world title twice. He joined the company that he's the fault of that it started. It's because of him. But it's time to go. And I really hope it's soon rather than later. Uh, let's, I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, okay. And just get your opinion on things. Uh, first of all, um, do you still think CM Punk's a draw? Like a needle mover? I say this without having any television rating data in front of me without having any numbers on merch sales. He's based on the people we talk to based on everything I've seen on social media. CM Punk is not a draw. Now you don't have to be online to contribute to being, to making somebody a draw in the world of professional wrestling. So I'd say that with a grain of salt because we genuinely, I just don't have enough information to truly answer that question especially from a business perspective but houses are not high right now we're not seeing really good year-over-year growth like per show earlier this year it was barely above flat you want to see like 10 to 20 percent in in growth like butts in seats to use the tony shivani line they've raised prices and gates are great but they're not getting enough people in the buildings I don't think he's a big draw. 
I, you know, I can't say that he's not a draw at all. Uh, again, this isn't something I've done, you know, necessarily the uh, the study on, you know, the the looking through the numbers deeply or anything. Um, it feels like he does make a difference in terms of collision ratings to some extent, but I also think that we are well past the peak of him as a draw. And, um, you know, the question with CM Punk was always going to be, is the juice worth the squeeze, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that first year especially, like, it was worth a squeeze. It was 100%. And there wasn't much of a downside to it um, up until, you know, Brawl in uh, last year. Like, ignoring that, you know, there's some tension leading in the months leading up to that, I guess. But really, um, if, you, if you think about it, it's uh, there wasn't really too much of a downside until the fight happened. And then the press conference happened. I guess vice versa, but um, but I do think he's um, I do think he has. You know, it, it was inevitable that it will, that his drawing power was going to recede some as his returning to wrestling became normalized. You know, we weren't always going to have him drawing massive ratings on the second episode of Rampage and all that stuff. That's just not how the business works. A guy comes back as a big event, and that pops the ratings, and then um, it dwindles. Its effect dwindles. Um, I don't know that he's a major business mover at this point, though. Um, And the calculus Tony Khan should be doing is basically what every wrestling promoter with a difficult talent has done in the past, which is at which point is the excess costs of doing business with this guy, you know, whether it be the fights or the constant backstage drama or upsetting people or everything. Um, when does that exceed your, you know, the, the benefits you're getting from his affiliation with your company, you know, when does it out outweigh any boost you get in ticket sales or pay-per-view buys or merch sales or, you know, television ratings. Um, again, I, I haven't studied this. Uh, so I don't know, you know. Uh, but I, I just my casual looks at it, the numbers aren't popping like they used to. Um, and, you know, collisions on Saturday night, which is going to be tough, especially for the next few months as uh, various big college football games come and go on Saturday nights. Um but, you know, the show's doing well. I just don't know that the show isn't going to do well without CM Punk. And that's something to consider as well. I just don't foresee... You know, well, there's there's two different ways to look at this, right? There's the way I would handle it, which is that this would have been it for me, I think, especially. I understand letting him come back after Brawl in last year. Or Brawl out, I should say. Um because you could still think there's some value there. And, you know, if everybody can get together and work, you know, it'll all be all right. I just think this is a bridge too far. Um, but Tony Khan is a, um, he has a reputation as a soft hand, I think, basically. Um, he, he is a people person, I think. And he wants his talents to feel good and be happy. And he loves CM Punk. <clears throat> he loves CM Punk as a talent. And, um, I, I, you know, it's kind of with me now, it's a I'll believe it when I see it situation in terms of 
is something going to change? Is CM Punk going to be like actually let go? Um, and I'm not holding my breath on that. I just do not foresee. I just don't foresee this happening. Him him being fired by Tony Khan because it just seems completely un Tony Khan like. And uh, Tony's basically given CM Punk everything he could have wanted. You know, he gave him his own TV show, if you get down to it, you know, to have, feature him and let him have say on who goes on that show to the point that, you know, again, I'm not going to pretend that like Christopher Daniels is like, you know, exactly the most second most powerful guy in this company or anything, but sending him home is a hell of a thing to do when it's his job to be there as part of talent, you know, relations, one would assume. Um, you know, uh, you got CM Punk cutting shoot promos on Adam Page after shows and attempts to work his own angles. You got all this other stuff, and it's just, it hasn't been stopped yet. So I'm not holding my breath on it stopping now. Me either, but I want it bad. Oh, it's exhausting, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and, and like, just as, you know, when I try to just switch into uh, just fan mode and just watch the shows and enjoy them, you know, you, you can do that for a couple hours, but it's almost inevitable that at some point it rears its head, you know, and like, if you, you know, I'm going on Google right now and, you know, obviously personalized results and all that, but the top results you get are just all about this incident, Um you know, and even if I like switch into a different browser and go incognito on the old Chrome, uh, the top stories are all all this uh, just constantly about the drama he's he's in and starting. Um, you know, and it's not like it was in 1998. You know, when in reality the number of wrestling fans that like were paying attention to the online news were very few um yeah it's you know you've got these stories in sports illustrated you know you've got these stories you know popping up in rolling stone you know major publications you know it's not exactly like wrestle news 5z's.co.net so it's just a i don't know it's i i do think that Every one of these incidents undercuts CM Punk's strong power, and I really question if, in you know, whenever he comes back, whether it be a week or a month or whatever, because I assume he's coming back, uh, if we aren't going to see even less in drawing power from him. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's like the only thing that could possibly that I feel I can reliably say would result in him being like go by AEW would be, it's not the discipline stuff. I, you know, even with him lunging at Tony Khan, if he did do that, allegedly lunging, lunging at him, I just can't foresee like Tony Khan being like, well, that was it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. And Tony Khan will say that was it. And in the relationship, you know, now, um, you know, and ever it's funny. One other thing I want to say real quick is the mentions. You know, and I made these comments last year, but there's these mentions about how CM Punk is litigious, and AEW doesn't want any of that. Um, CM Punk is a wealthy person. I think 
any of us would be happy to have CM Punk's money because there there's six potentially seven zeros involved there. Right, a guy's got to have a net worth in the millions, if not tens of millions. One person. Mm-hmm. Don't bring a, a a knife to a gunfight. Tony Khan is a is a bu- 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 billionaire. He's got more zeros when it comes to legal fights. I'm not saying that's what determines if you win or not. I am saying that money gets you access to the best legal advice, the best legal representation. And Tony Khan has way more money. So this this idea that like CM Punk would legally encircle Tony Khan is I I very dubious about that. I'll just say that. Especially if this was an incident that happened on camera, as has been reported. Oh gosh, it's on camera like it's been reported. I need to see it. I really need to see it, and I hope it gets this leaked. is this will be wrestling's like Draymond Green, Jordan Poole footage times a million. QTV, this is your time to get a scoop and release <laughs> it. This is your time to shine. This is your time to re- tell us, hey, all that bullshit we did in the past was worth it because we got this scoop. You know that uh, as soon as TMZ heard that, that they were making calls, right? Because mm-hmm. they had to. If they weren't, then you know they've lost it, but TMZ will cover wrestling enough to like get the drama clicks. They'll they'll cover the drama. They don't care about the actual business, but they'll cover the drama so they can get those clicks. And uh, I can't imagine anything that would draw them more money than uh, footage of CM Punk and Jack Perry having their whatever it was. Yeah. All right. What's your next question? Uh, boy. Uh, I guess I did have other questions that I was going to ask you. <laughs> um. What you know, so we we talked about um his drawing power. What do you think Tony Khan's going to do? And I kind of talked about this already, I guess, but you know, would this be the final straw for Tony Khan? Well, considering he had monitors reportedly topple over him, my god, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, part of the problem with this Tony Khan thing with Punk is from what we've been able to gather over the past couple of years, Fred, and please correct me if I'm wrong. These two connect on a personal and professional level when it comes to how they love professional wrestling, when it comes to them both growing up in Chicago and their views on professional wrestling are so eerily similar. Right. I think those, those stories have been out there for a while, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's that's going to be a big hindrance. This isn't, you know, Tony Khan bringing in Miro. And Miro doesn't have this kind of pull. This is a very unique situation. And Miro is just somebody I grabbed as an example. That doesn't mean anything. But the point is, it's not CM Punk. And because it's not CM Punk, that matters in this context. I really don't think the cons going to do anything. And that is so eerily annoying and frustrating. Yeah. I'm uh, again, I'm in, I'll believe it when I see it mode. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think he just likes CM Punk too much. Um, I think he, you know, I mean, unless he can be convinced by data that he's not worth it. Uh, I think he will keep CM Punk around for as long as he can, because he just loves CM Punk, the performer. Um, and, 
you know, there's just so many uh, problems with that, unfortunately, right now. But I think the last person to get off the CM Punk ship is going to be Tony Khan. Um, I, I think he might be the last one off then after, you know, like versus say steel or anyone else that's like, or, or FTR bald or anybody else that is super buddy, buddy with punk. Um, yeah, I, I'm just not very optimistic that, uh, it's going to be, uh, I will say be... this. Oh, go ahead. One, one thing that we have seen Tony Khan is very online. He is hyper aware of criticisms about his wrestling promotion and has a history of trying to fix things that people just get hyper aware of. Like that Rampage, which was essentially a battle of the belts with just four work rate nerd matches on it. Yeah. When you could... I could honestly see a scenario where maybe it finally gets to him and they make a decision. Yeah. Um, look, the, the ball is in Tony Khan's court again. We saw what he did when it was last time, which is he, he very much leaned into consciously or unconsciously. It seems like he leaned into the time heals all wounds. Let's just keep these guys separated until they can work together, and then everything will be great. And um, I don't think that that's the case. <laughs> I don't think he's going to re- get to see that happen. Um, unfortunately, it'd be great for AEW if you could keep everyone happy and you know kumbaya backstage, or at least enough to work together. But I think we're past that. Uh, past that point. Um, We'll see. It, you know, it'll be curious. You know, uh, Tony Khan has was asked in his presser yesterday if um, they'd be making an announcement about if CM Punk will be at All In or All All, all Out. Sorry, the, the similar names are tripping me up every single time I have to say one. Um, and uh, I mean, we've got a hell of a card announced. You know, just in terms of numbers of matches, we're at nine right now per Wikipedia. Um, you know, we're kind of getting to the point where I'm not sure we'd have space for a CM Punk match, but, uh, you know, I would you be shocked if um, if Sunday came and went and we got to see CM Punk in the ring against someone, Ricky Starks or whoever? Because I wouldn't be. I would be a little bit... Um... What's hilarious, though, is Hangman Page might take the spot of uh, of CM, CM Punk. Punk in this. In the and not, not just team. take the spot of CM Punk, take the spot of CM Punk in Chicago. God, if that happens, Fred, I'm going to be excited. Yeah, um, we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll see. I, I'm just not optimistic, you know. Um, it just seems like um, impossible, <laughs> you know. But well, we'll yeah, see. It absolutely seems impossible, but 
Oh gosh, it, it would be delicious. All right. Do you have any more questions, sir? No, I think that's it. Um, I think is there anything you want to talk about on the CM Punk front before we just move on before and go on to talk about other stuff? Listen, we, we have a lot of other stuff to talk about, and we have an all-out heat check. That's right, baby. But I'll say this. Go away, CM Punk. Please go away. That's that's all I want. I just want you to go away. Yeah, I uh, I have reached the point personally where I don't think he really adds too much to the show. I think, you know, just from a performer standpoint, I'm kind of, I, I've enjoyed Collision less and less each week. Um I think the CM Punk specialty of these days for TV, at least, has been the uh, six-man tags, you know, where he relies on guys like FDR to do the heavy lifting for him. Um, and the matches aren't that exciting. They don't seem to have very big stakes. And um, they really feel like house show main events, you know, more than what I expect from an AEW TV main event. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, um Let's go over a little more news, and then we'll get to the heat check. Um, so Kenny Omega and others were unable to travel from Florida to Chicago for the Dynamite this week due to the hurricane that uh, went through Florida and uh, reached Georgia, and I've lost track of it since then. I haven't checked the actual news this morning. I've just been reading Dave Meltzer. Um, um, and she, uh, Swerve Strickland and Soraya both missed uh, this past Dynamite due to an unspecified illness. It's We don't know anything else about it. I hope they're both doing well. Um, we do have two more pay-per-views announced. October 1st, uh, Wrestle Dream in Seattle. That's a new one. Uh, it's named, inspired by Antonio Noki. And, um, you know, uh, this is a way for... Tony Khan to pay tribute to him, and he's hoping to bring in some New Japan talent to help work that show. And then on November 18th at Kia Forum in Los Angeles is Full Gear. So we got uh, two pay-per-views in the next two matches, or two months, I should say. That'll be uh, four pay-per-views essentially in four months. We're getting close to that monthly schedule that I think we talked about previously that it feels inevitable they are getting ready for. Yeah, Will and... Osprey tweeted that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you're right. I... There's no way they're only going to keep doing four pay per views, considering how successful they are. I, I, no, even they're if too the, big to not do. The pay per views average 150 thousand. All right, so you only do four of them a year. Five with Forbidden Door. Okay, so you do 750 thousand roughly pay per view buys. If you do 12 and that drops, let's go 20 percent per pay per view. And you get 130,000 pay-per-view buys over 12 pay-per-views. You just doubled it to $1.5 million. Or sorry, 1.5 million buys. That's doubling your income. And you could drop the price to 40 bucks. You could offer bundles. No, they won't. But <laughs> if, if you were to drop it to 40 bucks, maybe you get that to 1.6 or 1.7 million buys. Like, there are ways to maneuver around this. And the one thing that would interest me, Fred, is do they keep, like, their big five as 50 bucks and then offer the other pay-per-views at a lesser value? So you're technically not actually taking any money out of your own pocket, but you're offering these other shows, which were big dynamites, which were free television, and they are now on pay-per-view 
but you're still making extra money. The how they transition to this twelve projected twelve pay per view year schedule is going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, and I, I really do think that the onus is on them to you know figure out the pricing for it, obviously. But I think what they're going to end up doing, if you look at the history of pay per view, whether it be UFC or WWE, um. People, you know, whenever there's a price increase or an increase in the number of shows, people always predict death and doom. You know, they're always like, people won't buy these and you're going to lose your ass. And then people buy them. And uh, they increase the prices. Oh, people won't buy them now. You're going to drive off all your customers. You make more money. Frankly, it's like what you're seeing with the tickets for AEW. Less people are buying them, but they're making more money. Uh, They've moved from a let's have big crowds company to a let's have big bucks company. You know, paying the bills. Um, and pay-per-view will work that way, too, if they bump up the prices. Uh, they could bring in the uh, these new events at a lower dollar prices. But I think that, um, you know, that they probably would do that for a year or two and then bump them up if they did. Um, if, it, if they take two, two years to do that, I doubt they will. Um, it's just a matter of you know, maximizing their profit and that's what they're going to be focused on, I'm sure. Yeah, it's all about profit and it's all about trying to maximize your money. Plus, you have guys who are making a lot more money. You, I'd imagine someone like Soraya is probably making seven figures. Guys like Miro, Punk, The Elite, all these ta- uh, talents likely making seven figures, you have to bring in money and you're only getting theoretically we only know about 45 million dollars a year from tnt we don't know how much more that has evolved into because of rampage and collision Mm -hmm. and all the extra programming that they've done including um the uh, all access show that they did um surrounding like Britt baker and adam cole and sammy Guevara. They have to find ways to draw revenue, and it it's expensive to run a traveling television show. That is. It's expensive. That so, was always one of the big issues TNA dealt with was that the uh, the money was hard, you know, to to take the show on the road. Mm-hmm. Very difficult, as I yawn, because TNA business is not something that really intrigues me, but it's... A very fascinating one. And if they go to 12 pay-per-views a year, now you're either getting 50 or 60% of pay-per-view revenue. So if you sell 200,000 pay-per-views at 50 bucks a pop, you are looking at, that. that is a $10 million pay-per-view gate. AEW is getting either 5 or 6 million of that because you have to pay your pay-per-view providers. And depending on the, the deal you've negotiated, it's likely between 50 and 60% that you get to take home and your mm-hmm. pay-per-view provider gets to keep. Yeah. That's a, a substantial amount of money. And if you were to drop that to a hundred thousand, you're getting three to $4 million. That's a win. I, yeah. oh, sorry, 2.5 to three. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That would pay quite a few wrestler contracts that could cover all your production costs for like, Every pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, that's it's a big deal. And that's why going to 12, even though we never really thought about it initially, 
it always made sense that eventually 12 was going to be the move. Yeah, this feels like an inevitability. If you're able to sell them, then you got to sell them. You know, that's just business, baby. Um, moving on, uh, Will Ospreay tweeted that the sands of time are running out when it comes to my time with British wrestling, um, which I think is, I can't uh, interpret that any other way than uh, his time with New Japan as his primary employer is coming to an end. Yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be great to see Will Osprey um, hypothetically in AEW, and we've we felt like it was not a done deal after All In, but oh, it sure felt like that was the direction. And good for Will Osprey. He has nobody's done more for professional wrestling in the last five years than Will Osprey. He has killed himself wrestling oh, yeah. in all these indies with all this young talent giving guys like Leon Slater and Nick Wayne the best matches of their careers and doing everything he can to put them over. And he's just 30. He's at the peak of his career. He doesn't have to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. But he he basically saved British wrestling after the speaking out movement. His involvement of helping build up Rev Pro and taking bookings across the country Good for Will Ospreay. He deserves that. You could almost call this a retirement because of how how much he's going to be taking off of his plate. And he, he deserves it. Good, like Thank you for everything you've done for the business because just an absolutely incredible feat for Ospreay. Yeah, the guy works really hard and is a phenomenal performer. And... Um... Not only does he deserve his accolades, he deserves his money too. Um, and yes. I think this whatever deal he ends up signing is going to pay him. Uh, yo, dog! I heard you like tournaments, so we put tournaments in your tournaments so you can tournament. The Grand Slam World Championship Match Eliminator Tournament is starting next Dynamite. Uh, Grand Slam is on uh, the twentieth of September, so less than. Uh, three weeks away. Uh, I imagine it'll be an eight-man tournament. And, of course, I'm Dynamite. Roderick Strong announced his intention to be in it, um, despite his bad neck. Um, yeah. Uh, hope you love tournaments. <laughs> AEW has been relying on those a lot recently, and uh, this is just another one. Tony Khan loves his single elimination brackets. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And tournaments are good. They had a tournament for Grand Slam last year, the Eliminator, because of the issues with um, CM Punk. I like that they're having another one this year. And look, it's, it's just an easy way to make meaningful matches on Dynamite to get to your desired result anyways. I, I like it. And you know what? This I think this could end up being Orange Cassidy. It could be. Um, I think that they may be building towards that. Um, I think Orange Cassidy is, uh, is getting featured really heavily. Uh, and I think we may see him drop the... 
international championship solely to set him up as like a world title contender. But I guess, you know, we'll see. A um, couple more news notes. Um, CM Punk accepted the Iron Mike Mazursky Award from the California Cauliflower Alley Club, sorry, uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, in You can file that under terrible coincidences. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't think anything noteworthy really came out of the pro- out of his promo, his acceptance speech, uh, if I speak about it like a normal human being. Um, you don't know how to do that, Fred. It's I've, I've, I'm a broken, bad person. Um, but yeah, uh, just, just hell of a timing there. Um, and of course, we saw uh, Mercedes Monet at All In, oddly featured twice on camera shots. Once during the pre-show and once during the six-man tag, the trio's ch- title match. Um, we, we know she's coming after Billy Gunn next. Um but yeah, I mean, there's reports that everyone asked about it. They're like, "Oh, she's open to working with us," you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, obviously, so I would imagine that you'll see something happen in the uh, in the near future. Um, and that's it for the news. Thank God. Um, uh, before we get into the heat check, I have to ask you a very important question. Um, you know, with all of our money that we're getting off our very successful podcast that everybody loves and gives us millions of dollars for you know since we're now financially wealthy um you want to go in with me and uh buy the former longer longer burger company headquarters what is that are you aware of this at all okay i'm gonna hijack the show just because this abuses me so there was a um a company called longer burger until 2013 well 2018 technically uh, but they made uh, little ma- handcrafted maple wood baskets, right? I'm going to send you a link so that you can send the or see the uh, see what the headquarters of this place look like. But you know, before they went tits up, uh, to quote Tony Storm, um, I just sent it over to you on the Slack. That is, they had their. They're building built to look exactly like one of their baskets. Um, Holy shit, that building rocks. And and <laughs> it is, of course, since the company died, you know, no one's like, oh, we also make large baskets uh, and thus have a desire to have a building that looks like one of our baskets. But it's still standing and it's being sold. So we got to buy this weird, weird building. Um I like the dumbest stuff. Uh, anyways, you want to heat check it, baby? Yeah, I want to heat check it. I, I, I will give $3.50 for this building because, God, that building's tremendous. I left my wallet downstairs, but I think I got a 20 on me, so we could... Uh... twenty three fifty. Wow, that, that's a pretty good offer. <laughs> now, okay, warning to listeners, if you're the kind that really hates spoilers, there's a potential... At least one that I know of, spoiler from Rampage, that is coming up, and the show will be released before Rampage if all goes well. So, uh, you know, make your own call about when you pause. And, of course, come back and listen to our wonderful show. Uh, but it's uh, heat check time, baby, so I'm going to read the card off to you off of Wikipedia. Speaking uh, of heat check and how wonderful yeah. our show is, Fred, we're back to being number one in the country of Turkey. Two days in a row, even. I know. Pretty incredible. Not even the flagship can do that, baby. That's right. Hit the bricks, Lanza. <laughs> Jay Brown. 
All right, go let's heat check this. Go up. get some Taylor ham or whatever the other thing is. I forget what the opposite of a Taylor Roll? ham is. Um, there's like the North South Jersey thing. I've never been to Jersey, so it's Taylor ham and some pork roll. I think. Yeah, pork roll. Yeah, that's right. Go get some pork roll. One of those is going to make him very mad. Well, yeah, just double down on it. You know, if I knew anything else about North South Jersey splits, I'd, uh, you know, I'd say those to be further inflammatory. Go to a certain exit on the highway. Owned. Um, okay. <laughs> Here we go. I will uh, read you the matches. And as usual with the heat check, we do a one to 10 scale or zero if you're feeling a little extra spicy, Tyler. 10 is you're super excited for it. It's one of your most uh, anticipated matches of your life. And uh, one is you do not care about it at all. So our first match on this card is Darby Allen against Luchasaurus for the AEW TNT Championship. I'm at a 7. The build has been eh. But it's Darby Allen with a big guy. You know he's going to bump like crazy, and this match could end up being really fun. I don't know if it'll end up being really good, but Darby's going to do some crazy stuff to get this match over. And Mm. Luchasaurus is not the greatest worker, but he can go. He's a capable big guy. That's about where I'd put him. You know, like it's not bad. Yeah. And the tough part with big guys is sometimes it takes them a decade to really figure it out because they're so big and it's just such a unique spectacle and a unique thing because there aren't exactly the surplus of guys like Luchasaurus and Lance Archer in professional wrestling anymore. And a lot of big guys can't move. These guys, like these guys can. And Luchasaurus is a good professional wrestler. I think that it's, this match has a potential to be very good. It could also fall apart. So I think, I think seven's about right. Yeah. I don't think it'll fall apart. I think the question is if it'll be like, you know, three or three and a half star good or like four plus good. And I think that's really going to depend on Darby Allen throwing himself around. Uh, that guy's been a workhorse this year, and I think he's like a just really a regular, you know, like high level performer. Um, Luchasaurus hasn't w- really worked a real match in a while. This has actually been a quiet year for him in the ring, and of course, the feature of the act is Christian Cage promos. Uh, but I think this is an opportunity for him to show out. This is probably his biggest uh, match in quite a while, several months at a minimum. Um, so I don't know if I think he'll, um, it's up to him to show out and I think he really could. Yeah, this match could end up being really good. And I'm very intrigued to see Christian's involvement of all things. Yeah. What do we have next, Fred? Just, just remember Adam Copeland edge is floating around out there, possibly coming in at any moment. You think you know me. What um what what dumb TNA name would Edge have if he went into TNA back in the day when they were giving thinly veiled ripoff names to people? That's a great question. That's a dumb question too. All right, our next you match. Know what? It, it would be like Adam Edge. Adam Edge. Ledge. 
what is Ledge doing in the Impact Zone? Um, next match: Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. One to ten. What you got? Look, this the build is whatever. Dude, this match is gonna rule. It's just two beefy dudes doing beefy dude things. I, I'm at like an eight for this. This has a, a chance to be really, really good. And I can't wait. I love just beefy dudes just doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm at a seven on this one. It's, you know, I could, if QTV never did another segment, it'd be too soon for me. But I, um, I would love to see this match just go for 12 minutes and just beat the hell out of each other. And fingers crossed we get that. Fingers crossed is, I think, the perfect verbiage for it. It's There really isn't a great build to this. It's going to be just beefy dude stuff, and I can't wait. Yeah, the build on this show is, uh, well, it's the side effect of running pay-per-views on back-to-back weeks, you know? It's uh, it's an unfortunate result, but, I mean, if that's the price you pay for your 80000 um ish uh, crowd at Wembley then here we are yeah what do we got next uh next up we got Chris Statlander defending the AW TBS championship against Ruby Soho where are you at on this one I like Statlander I like her a lot I think coming back from injury she's shown some real struggles but I think she started to really piece it together and figure it out I'm at a four I just don't care like these are two women who can't really carry a match and they work they kind of work to the level of their competition a little bit so this match could be a disaster it could be really good i don't know and i the build hasn't really drawn me in it was basically ruby um cut a promo saying that she's after statlander's title and then she has a title shot a week and a half later, which is fine, but I, I'm not excited about it. Yeah, I, uh, you know, there's if you told me, you know, the day after this show that it was like a three and three quarter star match, like that's the that's like the 95th percentile outcome of that match, right? And there's a possibility you could tell me that, you know, in this other future, uh, that it was like one star disaster. I could believe that too. Um, it's, um, I don't know. It's very much kind of curious about how it'll go, but I'm not particularly excited about it. I'll go a, uh, I'll go a, a three on this. Um, uh, you know, and if I'm excited, I'll be happy about that. So. Yeah, that sounds about right. Next up, we have John Moxley challenging for the AW International Championship against Orange Cassidy. One to ten, what you got? Forty. <laughs> this is basically the main event to me. Do you agree on that? I don't know if you if this is more of a main event than Omega and Takeshita. <sighs> Dude, this match is spicy. This is this is AEW. This is the AEW that we grew to love. John Moxley, Orange Cassidy, two AEW originals. I think you can call Moxley an AEW original at this point. 
He was on the first ever AEW show. He's been with the company the whole time. Yeah, he used Dean Ambrose in WWE and won their title, but Moxley is an AEW original. And look, Orange Cassidy doesn't get enough respect as far as an in-ring worker, and he's he's earned a lot over the course of the last year. This title run's been incredible. I think it's time for the title run to end. It gives Moxley something to do. It gets allows Orange Cassidy to evolve and maybe get an earned few weeks off to rest. Obviously some of the injury stuff that he is a work, but man, he's been real good. And this match could be absolutely incredible. Yeah. I'm a, I'm very excited for this. This is my, this is a nine, which I think is as high as I'm going to go on this show. Um, I think this could really be excellent and um, steal the show. Uh, I think this could rule, basically. Uh, next up is Kanosuke Takeshita against Kenny Omega. Um, what do you got for this one, 1 to 10? 40. You high like, on this I, one still? I, I'm memeing. I, these are the two matches I really, really, really want to see. We, we had inklings that we potentially get Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley when this whole like triangle feud kind of started. Mm-hmm. And it's evolved to a point in Orange Cassidy doing Taipei death to finish off uh, that um, stadium stampede is phenomenal. Like, oh. I, I These two could create real magic together because Orange Cassidy is – he wrestles differently than Moxley. Moxley is really rough around the edges. Orange Cassidy does his little shtick, but then is he's almost like a hybrid, like high flyer ground wrestler because he does a lot of like, like higher impact stuff where you, you do like the tilt world EDTs and stuff, but he doesn't actually fly. Like that's kind of how there's gotta be a better way to phrase it, but I'm calling it like a, like a gr- grounded high flyer. It's, you get what I'm saying. And sure, yeah. Moxley is Moxley, where everything he does looks like uh, he just woke up and decided to perform wrestling moves, <laughs> which it has its own little unique charm. These guys yeah. can kill it. If this match got five stars, I wouldn't be shocked. This it's could be that, bloody. It's on the table. This could be great. Orange Cassidy already has a five-star match for me. That was against Will Ospreay. Cassidy knows how to step it up against big opponents, and this is in this company – as big as it gets, and this could be absolutely tremendous. Yeah, I mean, this could be really awesome, and I'm uh, I'm excited for it. Um, I'm going to go a. Uh, uh, well, we're hold on, wait a second. Did you just go off about Cassidy and Moxley again? Because we were talking about Takeshita and Omega. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I did. Um, I, I'm just. I, I'm, I was just like, guys, so excited about it. I'm not gonna. Stop. I am so excited about Moxley and Orange Cassidy. Um, no, Omega and Takeshita, they've obviously been building this match for a long time. And you know what the best part is, friend? I'm not editing that out. Absolutely not. Because that's, no, leave that's that in. losing your mind uh, over here. Oh, I can't wait. Um, Kenny Omega is arguably the greatest wrestler in the world. And he's in a, an echelon with Kazuchika Okada, with... Will Ospreay, like he's just on another level. And Takeshita, 28 years old, been wrestling for a decade. He's getting there. And working with Omega is going to help put him in a pantheon of otherworldly wrestlers. And 
this match could be phenomenal too. We could see two five-star matches on the show and it wouldn't be a shock because of what these two matches are. I, I'm not expecting them to both go five. I, if they either one went under four and a half, I would be surprised. But this has a potential to be truly great. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, I, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I'm a little let down by the build of this one is what I really want to get across. Is I do think that at one point uh before blood and guts that this was could have been like one of the hottest matches in company history and for various reasons it's kind of um not there now um it's just kind of middle of the road and you know i think they could have done a better job of you know doing a last minute push with don Callis cutting that promo but instead he just kind of did the uh, kind of a cringe this guy don't speak english thing um, which kind of goes against the entire everything previous with Takeshev, which is that he understands and speaks English just fine. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but I think this match will rule regardless. This is going to be a case where it outperforms the build, and um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, I'm, I'll go an eight on here. Um. Next up, uh, we have an eight-man tag match of FTR and the Young Bucks facing off against Bullet Club Golds, the Gun Club, and Jay White and Juice Robinson. Five? I think this will end up being good. I I don't care. Like, oh, That's fair. Why, why should I care about FTR and the Young Bucks together? Yeah, I, I get the Bucks kind of have a, a thing with Bullet Club Gold because of the Kenny Omega connection and obviously everything interlinks with the Don Callis family. I just don't care. This this one feels lifeless to me. This uh, this would have been an excellent Dynamite main event. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> with maybe like one more week's build. Um but instead, it's going to be rushed into, I guess, essentially the mid card. Um, which okay, fine. Um, this could be a really good match. I just don't care. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. I think it'll be enjoyable. Um, fingers crossed on it. Uh, let's see. We do have next for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship the Dark Order, Alex Reynolds and John Silver against Better Than You Babies, Adam Cole and MJF. One to ten. What you got? Eight. Eight. Look, okay. The Dark Order, the Beaver Boys, they're fine. They're not a tag team they're I love. Solid, ta- I, like, solid I, tag team. I, yeah, they're not a tag team I desperately want to watch. But every time I watch them, they're really good. And they put out really good matches. This is going to be no different. They are going to bust their ass in this match. They are going to work hard. They're going to sell like crazy, and they're going to put these guys over. And in doing so, MJF and Adam Cole are probably going to have their working boots on because they know that the Dark Order is going to have their working boots on. This has a potential to be really good as long as they just don't bury the Dark Order like they buried Aussie Open. Yeah, that was kind of a, that was a hell of a mess, actually. Um, yeah, I... Um... 
I'm much lower on this one. I'm at like a five. Um, I just don't know that. Uh, I just don't know how good this is going to be. Uh, I mean, it, if they just do a straightforward match, it'll be entertaining. It'll be good. But I think there's going to be a lot of shtick. And given how I reacted to the last shtick heavy match with Cole and MJF um, in the main event, you know, I wasn't crazy about it. So. I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what exactly they do and if it's any good. Um, I guess we'll see. Uh, next to last match to go over is Shane Taylor facing Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Uh, I think it's very interesting. This is on an AEW pay-per-view. Of course, Shane Taylor won the uh, world-famous Ring of Honor World Television Championship Eliminator Tournament. Uh, we already did this bit on the pre-show, but at home, I'd like you to take a second and just think, what do you think was the longest match length in that tournament, and also who the two people involved were? I'll give you a couple seconds to think about that. Uh, Tyler got pretty close to the actual time on the when we were going over notes, but did not correctly guess the two people involved. Um, the longest time for a match was in the opening round when it went six minutes and 50 seconds. And it was Cheeseburger against Tony Nice. Hell which yeah. I think says a lot about the state of Ring of Honor TV and, uh, well, all that stuff. But anyways. Uh, but yeah, where are you at on Taylor against Samoa Joe? One to ten. Six. I think this could be really good. If I recall correctly, Samoa Joe took the title from Shane Taylor at uh, um, Supercard of Honor 2022, right after Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor. I think that's and right. Shane Taylor. Shane Taylor is a good, good professional wrestler. I I would like to see him a little bit more in AEW TV because I think he has a lot to offer, especially with some fresh and unique matchups. How about Shane Taylor versus Commander? How, how yeah. fun could that matchup be? Big guy versus man. small high flyer. Like, I think Taylor and Joe can have a really good professional wrestling match. And it, considering how AEW's pay-per-view cards used to be so weak in the middle, this is like the perfect kind of match. Three and a half to a four-star match. These guys just go in there, do the work, come out, we're good to go. Yeah, I'm at a six on this too. I mean, I think it'll be a good match. And if they have give it enough time, it'll be really good. Um, my biggest concern with it is as far as, you know, it can be one, I guess, uh, is if we're going to get, you know, like full effort, Joe, because, you know, if we get full effort, Joe, like we did at, uh, all in, you know, we're going to have a damn good match. If we get, um, less than full effort, Joe, then we get some of the recent TV matches, which weren't too, uh, you know, weren't too fantastic in my opinion, but you know, I, I am optimistic this will be a good beef uh, match, uh, Big E Memorial Tournament um, entry, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'll go a six on this. And then our final match on the Wikipedia, Wikipedia All Out listing, which I would bet you uh, five bucks uh, is not going to be the actual main event, is Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata against uh, Claudio Castanoli and Wheeler Yuta. Good for Eddie Kingston. He gets to wrestle with Shibata. That's just dope. 
Um, I'm at about an eight. This is just obviously going to be a continuation of this feud. And I thought it was really interesting on Dynamite. You had Yuta losing a challenge for the uh, New Japan Strong Openweight title. Claudio Castagnoli comes out to the ring, a side area, walks around the ring, refuses to acknowledge Eddie Kingston, and then helps Yuta off to the back. Man, these guys hate each other. And that was a really nice touch to really let that sink in. Yeah, it was... um... It was a, that was a nice little angle. Uh, I'm at a seven for this match again. Uh, I don't think the build. I mean, the continuous storyline between Kingston and Claudia rules. I don't think that this match in particular has had a fantastic build. It was, I mean, not frankly, kind of thrown together. Uh, but I think it'll be great. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, Shibata isn't what Shibata was, but I think I think he still has good matches. Is enjoyable to watch. Uh, so I like him. And uh, I mean, Kingston rules. Claudia rules, and Yuta's damn good. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to this. So, thoughts on the card in general, Tyler? Yeah, you wish it was better, but we had heard that some wrestlers got stranded in the UK. Some have been, as we you said earlier in the show, were not able to get back to Chicago because of the hurricanes. You, you know what uh, match that's on Rampage that I wish was on this card? Hangman Page versus Brian Keith. Gosh. Man, Brian Keith, uh, I haven't seen a lot of them, so I can't pretend to be like a Brian Keith expert, but he rules. Um, he's just awesome. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. And you, I saw somebody else say this, and I, I will not give credit because I just don't remember. So if you said this and... I, I like kudos to you because this isn't my take. It's just something that I agree with. Hangman Page should just start a cowboy stable and just and get Brian Keith involved. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, right? I didn't say that, but I would not complain about any kind of Brian Keith involvement, frankly. Um, That'd be fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for the show this week. Um, yeah. I just, oh yeah, I do want to do something real quick, which is I thought both Dynamite and uh, Collision this week, I have not seen Rampage, uh, are kind of boring. Um, Collision in particular, like there was a lot of recap videos on that show. And I understand that it was like the second show taped on a night and, uh, you know, was kind of the last show before the pay per view. So they wanted to type all the stories and everything, but still it was just kind of there, you know, so. Haha, <laughs> collision is the new velocity. <laughs> we'll see. I, I think that was just kind of a one-off given the schedule, but oh yeah, absolutely. I, I do I do want to say something. I think it's a little interesting, and I'm not drawing any conclusions here or anything. Uh, but you know, Dynamite definitely has the higher viewership. But it feels like and, and granted, I'm saying this after a week where it went heavy on it, but it feels like in general that collision does a lot more you know, like recap videos of stuff that's going on versus what we see on dynamite. And I would think that would go the other way around, given that you'd probably bet the more people are watching dynamite and not collision versus people watching collision and not dynamite. And so I would think dynamite would need the recap videos more, but I don't know. That's just a a stray thought slash observation. So Um, wait, you think there should be more, videos about collision on dynamite than vice versa 
I would think so. I, you know, if I I was doing that, yeah, I would assume that more people were watching uh, Dynamite without Collision than people watching Collision without Dynamite. Uh, but okay. that's just that's just my guess. Um, obviously, uh, you know, I I think maybe we've done a little too many uh, too many uh, videos recently, but I understand why you got to do them for business, so. I, th- I think that makes sense. Um, I thought Dynamite, considering the constraints that they had just due to travel, uh, I was good. And no complaints. I- it wasn't awful or anything. Uh, Dynamite wasn't. But it was, you know, until the Orange Cassidy uh, Pinto match, which I thought was pretty darn good. Uh, it just didn't have that, that Ooh, usual zip. I have a gripe. Oh, okay. Banned Canadian destroyers that aren't finishers. <laughs> Oh, I okay. I hate it. I hate it so much. And you know what? Maybe it's just a me thing. When the Canadian Destroyer got brought up by P.D. Williams and TNA, if you got hit with it, you were dead. There was no kicking out. There was no moving. You were dead. And now we're doing three straight Canadian Destroyer spots? I- I'm sorry. I-, I get that we've evolved and stuff. It's a Canadian Destroyer. It's a flippy do pile driver. No, we shouldn't be doing three of them in a row. It should be a murder move. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's always context dependent, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know it's kind of like when people complain about the super kick. I, 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 you know, it's always the context of the okay. match, I guess. The super kick thing is so different for me. Why? The super kick is not a flippy do pile driver. Like, it, that was top shit back in 1985. If you hit a super kick, oh my God. Like the early days of Shawn Michaels. But now super kicks have become common. And I think it kind of started with Rob Van Dam because he would do those like thrust kicks, yeah. not not like like because he was uh, very martial arts heavy. And then the super kick party, and it just kind of became a meme. But it's not a flippy do pile driver, man. That that's just you've got so much extra momentum going and compressing your vertebrae in your neck. Like just conceptually in my head, it doesn't make sense. Watching it, it doesn't make sense. And I it's so annoying whenever I see like multiple flippy do pile driver spots. I I, I can't take it. I Okay. Maybe uh, I'm old an old man now and I'm just crotchety and I, but come on. Like bring bring some bring some prestige back to the Canadian destroyer. Yeah, I mean I don't know. Uh I can't get upset about it because that's just kind of the style of wrestling, you know. Um, shrug. That's just where I am, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, that's our show. I, I got to whine at the end. And we'll be back <laughs> next week, likely Tuesday, for an all-out review because Monday is Labor Day. Yeah. And I won't be, avail- won't be available. I can't talk. Yeah. Um. I likely won't be available, but I will be Tuesday and it will be the beginning of the first week of professional football, baby. The NFL will be back. 
and I can't wait. So okay, I, I'm gonna grab you for grab you one thing real quick. ACC okay. expansion. We're just in the dumbest timeline, uh, aren't we? Gotta hate it. Oh, for for those that don't follow the college athletics, you know, in the United States, uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference is a conference that had every team basically close to the coast of the Atlantic Ocean along the eastern seaboard of um, of the United States. And today they announced that they are adding Stanford, a California-based school, California, which, of course, is in California, and SMU, a school in Texas, to round out to 17 <sighs> full-time football members because Notre Dame is a coward school. Um, Damn right they are. But it, it's also hard to blame them in football because oh, no, just, the, they, they have a, a contract with a three-letter network. They, they get a they get a vote on everything as an independent entity. Why would you ever give that up? Um, but yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Because I just hate it. It's just so dumb. College football is being ruined by money, and yeah. money ruins everything. Like it, college football is just the latest, but. They're stripping away the heart of college football, the heart of college football's tradition and rivalries. And we're removing that for a few extra bucks. Find a way to do both. It just, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Uh, We could do a whole separate podcast on this um, and how stupid it is, but I just saw that come across the, uh, the old news wire over here going boop, 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 um, yeah. All right. That's it. I think for the show, you got anything else, man? Anything you want to plug other than the usual into show plugs? No. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Forno. Follow the show on Twitter at Good Bad Hungy. Make Red sure you circle. like and sub- yeah, RedCircle.com slash Good Bad Hungy. I think is the thing. It's in the it's show in the description. it's in the show description. If you want to donate to us, so I, I can afford more things, and so can Fred. I mean, the Hungy Dogs and Hungy Cat Junior need toys. So just remember that. The cat does not actually, uh, because her favorite toy is crumpled up receipt paper. So, but I need to be able to buy stuff to get those receipts. So, so you have to buy toys. There you go. Yeah. And make sure you like, subscribe, do all the fun things. Write us a review. Give us five stars and email us at us. Yeah, I got a nice email um, earlier this week, and I cannot remember the gentleman's name, but we had a nice conversation about professional wrestling, and we appreciate the feedback. So it's it's well well taken every time, and uh, you can also join us in the Voice of Wrestling Discord, where we have our own channel. We have some good conversations there, and yeah. In the meantime, enjoy another AEW pay per view this weekend. I will be sitting around on my couch watching football twenty four seven, and the dogs are going to have to go in the basement. They're not going to like that, but I don't care. I'm using my three TV setup. Good night. God bless. Take care. Have a good one, everyone. Take care. Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio.